Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. During this Advent season, we're doing various readings throughout Scripture that help us to engage the spirit of Advent, which is to look forward to the return of Christ and also look back to the first time that Jesus came at that first Christmas. So today we're going to be uh, looking at 2 Corinthians verses, uh, chapter 8, verses 7 through 9, which talks about the effect that Christ's generosity should have on us. So Scott, if you could read that for us, uh, that would be wonderful. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verses seven through nine. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, Yet for the sake, yet for your sakes, he became poor, so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Second uh, Corinthians is this interesting letter. Paul is writing to uh, a church that he has an ongoing relationship with, and they have uh, some problems, some outright sins. Um, but he points out here that they have some things that are excellent as well. They're gifted speakers, their knowledge, their enthusiasm and uh, the love that they're give, being given uh, through the apostles. And he wants them to excel in this extra excellence, this excellence in, in giving. And I love how uh, Paul packs, the apostle Paul packs so much theological meaning into this one short verse in verse nine, where he says, though he, that is Jesus, was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you Rich. There's so much there in in the divine nature and divine transaction. Even just pointing to the pre-existence of Jesus, that Jesus had a a wealth as the as God the Son that he left behind in order to take on flesh and to take on the human condition and be with us in order that we could then be brought into uh, God's kingdom. Um, and this reminds me too of. Uh, uh, that famous passage in, in Philippians 2, where it says that uh, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to tightly or used to his own advantage. Rather, he emptied himself, you know, took on, uh, he made himself nothing and took on the nature of a servant. Uh, this is this is example of this self-emptying, this self-sacrificial uh, generosity that Jesus leaves behind the wealth of heaven to become a become one of the poor. And of course, uh, even more than that, we see this exchange of wealth for poverty, for our wealth, our enrichment uh, through the cross itself. Uh, and I'm reminded of uh, Lewis Smedes, one of my uh, favorite books on generosity, or just in general. He was a um, he was a professor of philosophy at the University of Southern California. It was also uh, a believer, and and he writes about this time when he suddenly collapsed on the floor woke up in the hospital, had no memory of the intervening time and discovered he was told that he had had this massive heart attack and was lucky to be alive and just was so overwhelmed by all these feelings and, and you know, trying to emotionally catch up with the reality everyone else had been experiencing that he was, you know, blind to because he was unconscious during that time. And he said during that night, that first night, he was laying in bed, laying in the hospital bed, and it was really quiet and the, you know, the moonlight's coming through and he just suddenly in that moment, it began to really hit him that he had been that close to death. I mean, he'd been told that, but to emotionally experience it. And he said that he was just kind of like laying there in bed and holding up his hands and staring at his hands 
and was suddenly overcome with this incredible gratitude for being alive. And of course, we always have this reason for gratitude, but we don't often get that many moments in life where we're confronted with the, uh, the opportunity to really experience the intensity of realizing how grateful we can be for being alive. And he said that in that moment, that it was the best feeling in the world, that he realized that gratitude is the best feeling in the world. It actually might be the genesis of all other good feelings, that it is impossible to feel good about anything if we feel entitled, yet if we feel grateful, that is the, the doorway to joy. And, and so we see Jesus here embracing, uh, you know, for the joy set before him, you know, endured the cross, right? He's, he's seeing this joy and he's ex expending himself for us and, and offers us this opportunity to, to be grateful. But I see on the flip side, there's also this opportunity that we have where we can, like Jesus, allow others to become givers as well. Maybe that's like our children, maybe it's a, a subordinate at work, or maybe it's you know some of our students. I think sometimes we're so focused on uh, becoming excellent that we don't wanna show weakness, we don't wanna show need. And I think one of the greatest gifts that we can sometimes give is to allow others to become givers to us, to allow them to experience the joy of, of becoming a giver. You know, it's more blessed to give than receive, as Jesus said. Uh, in any case, uh, Scott, I know that you have a lot to say about this. You've been doing the God and Money uh, series uh, with our church, and you've had an opportunity to speak to some uh, luminaries in this field of money and generosity and all that. And, and so I'm just wondering, what do you think about this passage and what have you seen about the, the, this truth playing out uh, during this season of our uh, of your life. Oh, thanks, John. Uh, I just first let me say I just love that the example, the notion of gratitude as where this person had experienced this really the sense of the fullness of life. This idea that like like real life is found in relating to things outside of ourselves and being in these mutual relationships with others and sensing that you know our life is not our own but is a gift from God. All of these things. In some ways, they, they just kind of like subtly, gently flip scripts of what it means to find and to have life. And, um, you know, it's I guess that in some ways should be really obvious to us as we think about like Jesus here is the example, the Philippians 2 example, the example right in this passage. God who has all things gives all things away. Uh, and in that, you know, finds life in giving life uh, in bringing us into relationship uh, with God, with one another, there's this, this pattern that like, we're to the question, where is life? Life is found surprisingly in giving. Um, so I love, I love those things uh, in the God of Money Theology Lab, this series, you know, I'm, I'm learning a ton of things, but there was this one little data point that I had recently heard from our, one of our speakers about how, I think they were referencing a study in which there is at least a pull, okay? This is not like necessarily what has to happen, but a pull and when you receive more, as you begin to, to either make more wealth or just receive more material resources, to become more stingy. Uh, actually, to, they show that there's a drop in compassion and an increase in, in I guess, in, in meanness in a certain sense. Um, so, like, what then is the call? Like, what, what, what to do with our things? What to do with our wealth? What to do with whatever resources or opportunities or things we have for us is to find that the, the gift the happiness, the way to happiness there is through giving. Um, and I feel like I keep hearing this, this, that little, that little, what's happening in that stat and how a Christian should respond to it in many different examples from our speakers this year. 
um, about how using things in order to find abundant life. Um, I'll just kind of note one other example that stands out to me, because you, you had mentioned how uh, Ethan thinking about the, the existence of Jesus before the world is made uh, and having all things and then yet entering into our world to give life to others, this act of giving. Uh, I'll, I'll conclude my reflections here on a similar theological point. I think that if this is just how Jesus is, uh, and this is the way to life, even when we think about the very depths of who God is, we see the very same thing. If you think about what Jesus shows us about God the Father, uh, he is the, the, the origin, the fount of, of deity, but has his deity in giving it away and letting the Son come forth from him. And then Jesus, who is divine, has his deity in honoring God. And then the Spirit that lives between them, uh, the shy member of the Trinity, has his deity and helping the Son love the Father and the Father empower Jesus to fulfill his mission. I mean, we look to Jesus, we look to who God is, and I think we have this, this, this theological truth that life is found in sharing it with others. Knowing we are valuable in God's eyes, life is found in sharing it with others. I love how you bring up the the internal nature of the, the Trinity there. And how it's, you know, this self-emptying, this self-giving that we see in Jesus is not unique to Jesus. This is this is a revelation of who God is at God's very own core, that there's this mutuality, you know, that what, what uh, um, uh, <laughs> there's so many, a, not Anselm, not Aquinas, uh, Athanasius, what Athanasius referred to as the divine dance, this perichoretic uh, dance, this uh, between the three persons of the Trinity. And, you know, and we have this, like you said, we have this invitation to participate in this kind of divine life where we get to uh, participate in this kind of giving. And it's so contrary to the effect that sin has had on the world. It's so contrary to what, you know, what the Bible calls the flesh or the sinful nature uh, is engaged in that it is so hard for us to believe. We, we immediately perceive that giving away something is the loss of something. We can, we can perceive that loss, but we cannot perceive uh, the gain uh, and how much more there is to gain and how, you know, if we try to hold on to everything tightly, we actually lose everything. Um, there's a, a German mystic uh, theologian, uh, Meister Eckert, who said that basically the, the same spiritual forces operate in everyone's lives. But for those who try to hold onto their life, these forces are like demons ripping our lives away from us. But for those who are of us who are willing to let go of that, they're like angels freeing us from bondage to this world. So it's the same life experiences that we'll all have, but depending on our attitude, it can either be a blessing or a curse. And I think we see this, you know, with our with our children, like when we raise our kids, we, we know that the worst possible outcome is to raise spoiled brats, right? To, to raise kids who just want to take, don't want to share, and and just think they they everybody owes them something. We know as parents that that is a surefire path to being miserable for the rest of your life and making everyone else miserable. So we do everything in our in our power to not allow that to happen. And and we know that the more that they share, the more that they're willing to be giving, the more that they're going to experience life. And yet, when we're the ones in the driver's seat, it's so hard to believe that. It's like uh, uh, the recent uh, study where they asked people to, uh, instead of just you know sticking to themselves during their morning commute, to actually engage with people around them, to have kind of like meaningful life-giving conversation and all that. And, and, and universally, people reported that they felt better. They felt more alive. They felt more happy. And yet, as soon as the experiment was done, 
nobody continued to do it because there's something inherent in us. We, we, we can immediately perceive how much it's going to take out of us, how much energy and focus and time it's going to take out of us to be giving in these ways. And it's hard to, to know and believe that we're going to receive so much more on the other end. And I think the only way around that, and at least for me, is to, to believe it is true, to, to, to accept it by faith that what others have told me, what wisdom says, what Jesus says, and to actually commit to doing it, to actually practice it as a discipline. And then in doing it as a discipline, then I get to build up those experiences where I begin to see, oh, this actually is really the way to life. And so I, I want to continue to engage that. Or another way is to look at those who actually practice this and to see how much more alive those people are and say, I want that. And if that's the path to getting what they have, then okay, I want to walk that path as well. It's kind of like you know exercising. Nobody wants to do it until you see the benefits. Uh, anyway, that, that's uh, my final thoughts. And I'm wondering, Scott, if you have any final thoughts and if you'd be willing to pray for us. Yeah, yeah. Let me go with a really short invitation based on the last thing you said there about seeing this in other people. I think folks who listen to our conversation, hopefully they'll be reading this passage and they'll have this uh, encouragement to, to, to extend generosity. Uh, to others in their lives like Christ has for us. So a really short example, this weekend, High Rock has its Christmas concert. It's wonderful. I think people are going to experience God in many ways. But as I was preparing for this devotional, I thought about the two people who are just in the, the building next to me right now who have been showing up for the last few weeks and helping set that place up, doing this just as volunteers so that when people walk into this building, they're going to see something beautiful. They're going to experience God and the music. But Christ has also been there before in their generosity and setting up this place so that others can have this experience you know and i if it wasn't for passages like this you know i think i would i would miss being able to not only try to, to live out christ myself but to see christ and other people around me who are living out this generosity so maybe do the same uh let me close this with a prayer god you show yourself to us as a generous loving god we pray that we would be empowered and moved to live out that generosity ourselves. Give us the strength to do that and to do that led by your spirit, reflecting Christ to others around us, to this world, and knowing your love. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Scott, for joining us today. And everyone, thanks for being here. And I hope, like Scott said, I hope you will you have your eyes open to see the opportunities that God gives you to be generous today. Go in peace.